welcome to another episode of Buzzard View Manor. I would like to welcome my co-host, Sir Martin, the gatekeeper of Buzzard View Manor. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Pretty well, thank you. We had the opportunity to sit and discuss a couple of films. One was Dining Room or There Is Nothing, and as well as a movie called Antrim. So with that, Let's go ahead and jump into Dining Room Where There Is Nothing. It can be found on YouTube. And I had the creator, the director's name written here, but myself and uh, Sir Martin had one hell of a time getting things going today. And I told him, it's like, oh, it's almost like we're not supposed to discuss Antrim. We're having all this crazy bad luck just trying to get it going. So we had the opportunity to view Dining Room or There Is Nothing. And this is a short, very short one-minute film that can be found on YouTube. It was also the short film that inspired two young directors in film school that created the movie Antrim. Now, when myself and Sir Martin sat down to watch Dining Room or There Is Nothing, I wanted him to give his opinion of his interpretation of the movie, or not movie, a short film. What was your opinion about that? Well, as we were talking about it the other day, I, I found it to be very lonesome that individual was by herself and everything else didn't existed i guess you would say it was just her i focused more on her and the fact that she was like alone so kind of a lonely type of feeling and what i found too interesting was that it seemed like everything besides the verbiage being all backwards but also i noticed the flames look somewhat in the background were actually going backwards as well so that's my interpretation was like being lonely or lonesome or a lack of having maybe somebody surrounding your family surrounding you. Yeah, I can agree with that. I saw and read a couple of places where a couple of viewers considered it like reincarnation, like dying and then coming back and realizing that there's nothing on the other side. Once you die, there's nothing. Hmm. But another way of looking at it as maybe the director just created something very bizarre by accident and just went with it. But watching it, I have to agree with you. It did make me kind of feel lonely, but it made me think of a person who's living an empty life, an empty family life, and just completely, utterly alone. So it just was my interpretation of what complete depression might feel like, you know, being utterly lost. Kind of like drowning within yourself too. Uh, that's another thing that I got out of it. But it is obviously somewhat some people get spooked out by it but i enjoy the spooky things i'm very vocal about enjoying things in the spiritual realm of horror like some people don't dig it at all but that's my genre i really do like spiritual horror like god and the devil and demons and angels and things like that so i had a follower on instagram asked me, he's like, hey, have you watched the movie Antrim? I mean, I've seen it around, but I was so busy and always meant to, you know, getting around to make time to view it. But one thing or another would happen and I would totally forget to make time to view movies. I was like, no, I haven't gotten around to it. He's like, well, you need to probably watch it. When you do decide to view it, tell me your opinion about it. And I was like, okay. So I took time to view it and I was blown away. I also had Sir Martin 
take some time out of his day to view it. What was your opinion of Antrim? Okay, so I, I'm really excited about it because I really, really loved and the texture of the film, the overall creativity that they used. You know, when it, the scenery, you know, like I said, the the film itself, it really gave it the feel that it was a film that was actually filmed back in the '70s. You know, I at first actually did think it was done in the '70s until I started, you know, doing a little bit more research and everything else. So I really enjoyed that. I love the darkness in somewhat. As far as the film, how it looked kind of a little bit of foggy or hazy. I just really love the feel that film gave. Kind of set the mood, something creepy or something scary about to happen. But the whole film itself was it was different and unique because uh, in the beginning when it starts off as a, it seems like it's, you know, a documentary. In fact, uh, my son was there in the room. He's like, well, oh, no, no, don't watch it. Don't watch it. So it really messed with your mind at the same time. But I ended up getting caught up in that too. I was like, well, you know, I, I want to watch it, but, you know, he's, he's over here panicking. And then, of course, it just made me feel like, man, this is like the real thing. And I did think it was a real thing until I found out, you know, it wasn't. Okay. When I viewed this movie immediately, I loved it. The intro of the documentary of saying this is, you know, the most deadliest film. It kind of reminded me of what they did with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where the viewer saw the opening and they really did believe that, hey, this is a documentary of this family that kills people. There are so many people who really thought that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the real deal. So then you go into the sister and the mother and the brother, you know, they're at the vet clinic and they see this picture on the wall. You notice a blonde headed young lady in the picture along with a younger brother. And it says all dogs go to heaven. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but apparently this dog bit the little boy. And so they had to put the dog down and, that really mess with this child in this film. And my favorite scene in the movie is where they're in the car and the, the little boy, Nathan, asks his mother, you know, about his dog. And the mother's like, no, she didn't go to heaven. She went to hell. And that right there traumatized him. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of different things going on in this movie, but the whole fog that you were talking about, it made it for me, it came across very dreamy. Then we go into this sister with really good intentions for her brother because Nathan thinks that his dog is in hell. So they go on this adventure into this forest. And upon entering, you see all these like gifts on the outside of the entrance. And so to make a long story short, that scene right there reminded me of this other horror movie called the forest where people go in to this forest in Japan to commit suicide. And obviously that is exactly what was happening in this film. People were going into the forest to kill themselves. And then she tells this bogus story about when Satan fell to the earth. And it's just a very dark movie. Where I'm going with this is I just saw a whole bunch of different influences in this particular film, there is a lot of people who will not view it that I was like, hey, why don't you give this film a try? They can't even get past the intro of the film. They're cutting it off. And I'm finding that it's a lot of people that have religious beliefs or, you know, a religious upbringing. It's just very bizarre to me that 
people are so gullible to believing everything they see without seeking knowledge. And that is what I basically took away from Antrim was, do we believe everything that we're going to see on TV just because it's on TV? You know what I'm saying? Right. But anyhow, throughout the movie, you see all these flashes of like darkness and the shadows and, and then the forest. But I knew immediately that the writers, the creators, the directors did their homework on this film because you know, like real demonology, witchcraft, black magic when you see it and how they were able to kind of put it into film to make you feel that supernatural of, oh, this doesn't feel right is very clever. And I don't know how they did it, but someone did their homework because to be able to execute something like that is incredibly hard. I mean, you see the exorcist, okay, there's the exorcist. But when you see this film, there's no jump scare, but it's very eerie feeling and mm-hmm. it's very unsettling. We go through these different little journeys throughout this film and we get to the weirdos. Yeah, those two were kind of strange for me, yeah. Well, when they show up and they come across those two cannibals, there was this movie that it was a little independent film that got rejected. And I think it is destroyed now, but that opening scene where that guy's coming out with those antlers and underwear, it just reminded me of this movie called pig. Hmm. So a lot of people were offended by it. And I think it's, like I said, I believe it's destroyed now, but it went from me from it reminding me of that movie pig to the wicker man because of that big old oven that they were trying to cook people alive in or smoke them, whatever hell they were doing. It looked like they were trying to smoke them or something or bake and cook them. When I first saw that, I was like, wow, you know, that looks like an oven, you know, and sure enough, that's what it was. And so they're out there having sex with dead animals. They're out. We don't even know if, if they're brothers or if, if they're just friends or if they're a couple, but they're completely crazy. But to me, you know, they're, they're reaching the different levels of hell. I thought, oh, well, okay, great. They're the demons, you know, like this movie is just very unique and complex. I read somewhere where someone says, oh, well, the whole thought of this movie is not original. No, right now, I I believe it is. You know, I don't see anyone really basing movies anymore off of the nine levels of hell or a little bit of Greek mythology But anyhow, and then when the sister escapes and they do that whole circle around where they're trying to escape and they they wind right back at the camp, it kind of reminded me of Demon's Wind where in that movie, they set off to leave and then the wind comes and takes them right back to the beginning. And all the flashing and and the dark faces just reminded me a lot of David Lynch because there's certain films that you see David Lynch doing that. And I have someone very close to me who says, you know, and no offense to anyone who's like, Lynch just needs to lay off the drugs. (laughs) But, you know, I'm a fan of David Lynch and I I really like him, but this just was a film that was executed very well, I think. The the, uh, scene where it flashes the the couple in the, what is it, the shower room? Looked like a shower room Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, that was kind of, I'm like, where did that come? What does that mean? You know, where, where, where does that fit into the, the overall movie? Like the narrative of the yeah. story, maybe mm-hmm. it represented like a snuff film. 
I mean, that's what it reminded me. It, it reminded me of something, but he was going to put somebody in there to, to kill him. And then, you know, they're in the shower, just washing out easy, easy cleanup, I guess. One of them, weren't they embracing each other at once? And then all of a sudden they were in the shower room or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. But then we never find out what happens to them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because, you know, later on when they do that full circle around then those, the cannibals find, you know, Nathan and his sister, they throw Nathan in the, in the smoker, the sister, you know, she, she fights like hell to save her brother. And you and I kept trying to figure out why did they stop at level five? Mm-hmm. But some, somehow we just discovered that in the different levels of hell, they talk about like when you lie about something and basically his sister did lie because she made up the story because she just thought it would help him find peace by trying to save their dog from hell, Maxine. That's what the dog's name was, Maxine. I think that this movie is really going to catch wind and an audience the more that time goes by, I think that COVID had a lot to do with taking a lot of attention away from it. And it didn't get the playtime that it deserved. But with this film, you're either going to love it or really hate it. I think what it comes down to is that you have to ask yourself, were these two siblings experiencing real spirituality was something very real happening or were they just going crazy in the woods because of fear? What did you think the meaning of the, when they had the, the star, right? And each star, each end of the star was a different representation of a different re- religion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when they use all the different five mm-hmm. religions, they, they, we see Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hindu, Buddha, we can't really call it like the star of David. That was just straight up the pentagram. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that was just using the five major religions as some sort of sorcery, or maybe it was just saying everything that we believe is just still spirituality, whether it be positive or negative. What about it being ecumenicalism? Well, it could be. Or, you know, the different religions that are mixed together and how even now today you see that a lot of churches are kind of combining or different uh, schools of thought when it comes to theology are actually meshing together into one. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just thinking because of of the symbolism of the different religions. And then if you look at the the way a star is, usually ecumenicalism has a, it's made out of a triangle too, to, to signify that. So I don't know. And then you have the two triangles together to make the star. It is two triangles, right? I thought that I read somewhere where King Solomon, you know, had this ring, the seal, and a lot of people thought it was the Star of David. But I guess some researchers have gone on and discovered that the pentagram has been around for a really long time. Mm -hmm. They're saying even before the Star of David. So obviously, witchcraft is something, whatever you want to call it, has been around forever. I mean, throughout different stories in the Bible, I mean, you see even King Saul going to this witch to try to bring um, a prophet back to life to get some advice when God totally like turned his back on him and, you know, basically ignored him. So he went to go seek out this witch to, to find out if he would, you know, conquer this war that was going to happen but it is said that it 
truly wasn't, you know, you can't raise the dead back to life. It was basically a demon that was talking to Saul. You, you talk about the pentagram and the pentagram, as you know, has five points, right? Mm-hmm. So, but the star of David actually has six points. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing one right now. So, and then you go back to what we were talking about. Why did it stop at number level five? What's the significance of the five? Because of I, course the five in the star level five, it stopped at five. What, what is it? I don't know. I, that's why I was like, you know, there's some kind of symbolism to it and I'm not sure what it is. You know, I do know that the nine levels of hell, but they stopped at five, but somewhere in between this movie, these two siblings transcended immediately straight to hell. And when Nathan came across this, was it like a wolf that was in like a trap and then he freed it. So basically it was like freeing his dog from hell. So he thought, so he thought, and then he looks up and he smiles because maybe that was the symbolism of the dog leaving hell. And then you see him walking back to the tent, smiling, you know, and then the sisters in the tent pointing a gun and you're like, well, what just happened? Well, you know, obviously something bad happened, but if they're in hell, you can't really die, you know, because if you're going to free, if you're going to free a soul from hell, don't you think the devil wants to keep some in? That part where you talk about him coming to the tent, I was like, oh man. But it, it didn't show nothing. So it kind of leave you in suspense. Well, I mean, we, we interpretation. We kinda, yeah, exactly. But, you know, we kind of left to decide what, you know, what really happened. Did, did she actually shoot him? Did he die or not? It's not that I didn't like it. I was like, man, I, I would like to know more of what happened. But yeah, and just kind of the way it ended, I was kind of like, uh, I just wish it had a little bit more to it. And I think for me, I think it was a clever way for them to end it because it was like, it's going to leave it up to the viewer. What happened? Did she kill him or you you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So I think it was just left for interpretation. Like, what do you interpret? What do you think happened? Or maybe they're like, hell, we don't know how to, and this, we're just going to stop right here. (laughs) You you don't know. But I love this movie. Big fan when it comes to how a film looks. I love when a film looks kind of gritty and then kind of, you know, misty kind of give it that feel. It really gave the feel. That's what I, I, attracted me the most about the film itself was the overall cinematography. I had looked the texture. I keep going back to that because to me, that really makes, it gives the feeling of some eeriness going on. It's very hypnotic and very dreamy. So I would love to totally invite some PTA mothers over and tell them that I'm hosting a viewing party and that it's going to be a ladies night. And I would love to just put on Antrim from a rock their fucking world. I would probably not be invited to any more PTA meetings. Probably not. And you probably not even finish get to watch it because like I said, when, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, I put it on here at the house. I was like, no, 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 don't. You could die from this because the warning, remember in the warning, it says, right. you know, that, yeah. So they're all scared. That already freaked them out as, you know, for them seeing that they're like, wow, you know, don't look at it. I'm like, it's like, you know, as I'm like, yeah, it's like, it's and that's be when fine. you turn to them. And say, don't you know, bastards, the dark prince is coming for your soul. (laughs) And speaking of that, I would like to just say, how dare those assholes back in the day try to scare us as kids to keep us from watching like MTV or all these fabulous horror movies saying that the demons are coming for us through the TV set. 
can you believe that shit? I mean, I know that you remember hearing that, Yeah. but here I am. No demons gotten me yet. I remember you know, that. it's like, why would anyone say that? I mean, there's so many people that I grew up with that don't want to have anything to do with religion because of that. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, you know, again, I'm not trying to start nothing, but a lot of times the, the negativity, the darkness is there, you know, that's, that's presented to us. That's wrong is another way for people to control us. That's all I got to say. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. So I would just suggest that in your home, when everyone's sleeping, just step into the living room, put Antrim on really loud and go lay back down. (laughs) (laughs) It's a brilliant movie. And I'm so glad that it's going to scare lots of people. I'm so glad that there's going to be some teenagers out there and that it's going to scare their parents. And that's what they get for just being such a stickler and not thinking outside the box. I mean, art is art. Like whenever you can scare someone with a piece of cinema, a a film, they did their job. That is creation. That is art to me when something can make you feel a certain way, you know? So everybody this Halloween, we invite you to watch Antrim. Well, hell watch it now. COVID-19 is happening. Put that bad boy on and enjoy you some antrum. And just be thankful that you're not lost in the woods with some animal raping weirdos that want to cook you. <laughs> yeah, I won't forget that that's that first scene. I was like, you know, I didn't when you were asking me earlier, I didn't want to bring that up. But yeah, when I saw that, like, what is he? Oh my God, that's what he's doing. <laughs> but you know, and I'm glad that they threw that in there because there are some crazy people in the backwoods that do that. Mm-hmm. So let's just go ahead and put it out there. People who are out of their damn minds do some extreme stuff. I mean, we see it, we read about it, you know, online and the news. I mean, it's everywhere. So, and I'm going to go back again to saying what I said originally, what I'm taking away from Antrim is the power of knowledge, the power of being informed, the power of not being gullible. And the truth is out there. Are you going to be that person who folds like a sheep because you see something Okay, like people are losing their minds over this, the intro of this movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it kills. Um, I'm still alive. I mean, obviously, we had a really, really hard time this evening of getting things situated for almost an hour. And, and I was like, well, maybe Antrim does. <laughs> maybe we're not supposed to be discussing this film. But, you know, that's just me being funny about the whole situation. But, yeah, give it a view. Yeah, after talking about it, maybe this podcast kills. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if anyone's listening, but that's okay. So <laughs> it, it, we'll, we'll talk to the air. We'll talk to the demons coming through the television sets for us. But hell, I mean, there might be a damn demon coming through my speaker right now. Trick or treat like that movie from the 80s, you know, where the, the rock and roll is coming through the headphones. Yeah, remember the one, uh, the Halloween movie where there were the TV when they put the mask on and made the kids like... Yeah, Halloween 3 yeah, season of yeah, the witch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I love this film. And it's, it's a brilliant piece of cinema that we haven't seen in a long time. And I'm incredibly proud of those two directors who finished film school and they set off and they did something. I mean, they went to film school and... They set a goal, obviously, and they made something pretty brilliant called Antrim. So congratulations, guys. I love it. Y'all are clever, and I can't wait to see more work from you two gentlemen. Myself and Sir Martin would like to thank you for tuning in 
and listening to Buzzard View Manor as we discuss this movie that kills called Antrim. Yes, make sure and give it a try and uh, have some popcorn and some wine and enjoying yourself with some nice dose of Antrim. So this evening is going to be a little different. This chat's going to be a little extra longer. So we are going to welcome one of my followers from Instagram, Charlie, as we leave you with our discussion of Antrim. So when you reached out to me and you were like, hey, have you seen this movie? I was like, no, but I remember seeing it. And I remember I wanted to watch it. And then I was like, okay, let me get around to it. And you, by you reaching out, help me remember, you know? So I was going to pass out the other night and I went ahead and I finished it. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is amazing. This is like a secret that yes. no one really knows about. I know. Right. And, and it's sad because I think like if more people, because I feel like you're either going to like horror people or, or like movie lovers in general, they're either going to hate it or they're going to like, there's not going to be a middle ground. Like, I don't think you could watch this and come away just like, eh, eh, it was all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it has to do with your perception and your taste in film and art. But I think for people like us who enjoy like more of, like I said, the afterlife, the, the cult, religious point of views and stuff like that, we actually enjoy films like this. Right. What were, what were your thoughts when you first saw it? What, how did you feel when you were viewing this movie? I felt like um, I judge horror movies, especially nowadays, because, I mean, we've, we've kind of become j- jaded. I think, uh, you know, we watch the same movies. Now I, I judge, I, I felt uncomfortable watching it. And that to me, like, it, 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 there's so many things in this movie. There's so much going on. And, you know, they, they did this with the minimal, you know. And there's, it's not just the horror of the movie, but there's also so much suspense, especially like at the end and stuff, you know, to me, like it, it, it just has everything. But for the most, like on first watch, it made me uncomfortable. And that uncomfortable feeling was more like a spooky feeling as well. Correct. No, it felt good. It was a good kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so when I pressed play on the remote control and I saw the intro, I was like, wait, is this for real? Like, is this a real documentary or is this like the entrance of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I thought that that was clever how they executed that. And and I love that how you find yourself questioning yourself. Is this for real? Because in today's society, I think that people are so gullible with things that they see instead of researching the knowledge and, and, and finding the facts we're, we're quick to say, Oh, it's out there. So it must be true. So I thought that that was kind of brilliant in itself. And I mean, you do find yourself questioning, wait, is this for real? That this really happened? That this really happened in the seventies? Right. No, I, yeah, no, no, I get that. And that was the thing. If, if they had done more with that, maybe more people would know because it was very close to um, the Blair Witch, you know, as far as um, how it was, I guess, the wraparound story, like it was just kind of close to that to me. Cause like when the Blair Witch came out, when it, at the, at the time, that was like a pretty big deal, you know? Oh, I remember. I mean, so this movie has that found footage vibe to it. Yes. Yes, it does. And you had mentioned, I think in your post that there, that it was very dreamlike and it was because 
there's times in that movie where you just kind of see things out of the corner of your eye, you know, and the way it's edited in some parts are very, to me, like, because it's real quick editing sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I was viewing it, let me kind of tell you some of the other films that came to mind. Okay. So the original Wicker Man of 1973 came to my mind, that whole pagan kind of, you know, the way the film was done. I was like, oh, like, okay, I can kind of see the Wicker Man. And then... David Lynch came to my mind with some of his stuff, like with Twins Peak and, you know, like Lost Highway and just flashes and random stuff. Another film that came to mind was like Mandy. Mandy, right. You know, just very trippy and, and dreamy. And but this is what I think that like the modern horror, I think this is what we need because it was it's fresh, I think. Oh, definitely. And the acting, like, the two actors were wonderful, just amazing. Like, you really cared about them, you know, like, toward the end when they, you know what I mean? And then, and the Wicker Man thing is very spot on because all I can think of this movie has the craziest barbecue grill ever, doesn't it? Yes. And so, you know, oh, and then another movie that came to mind was The Forest as they're entering the forest and there's offerings and then... The little boy, you know, kind of sees like the carving and the sign that says no one gets out of here alive in the tree branch. And then his older sister, there's like a sign that is warning them of like suicide. So that made me think of The Forest, that movie where people would go into the forest, like because it was based off a Japanese film, I believe, to, you know, to take their lives. And I, I just saw all these different, like different influences in this film. And I think that is how you make a really good piece of movie just by just take like, it's like ingredients all in one. No, no, I, I I totally agree. And yeah, this, it it just totally had everything. The, even the, the movie part, the the movie part, it really looked like the seventies, like um, at some point it looked like those old seventies nature films. Yes. Um, Yeah. You know what I mean? So after the movie was over, how did you feel? I was happy. Like, I was just like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I was like, you guys, you guys hit it out of the park. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, you guys rock. Yeah. You know. It was amazing. It was amazing. For the first time, I feel like I have, I, I viewed a piece of film that was original. Right. And the stuff on the end credits, too, was, I, I would like them to, if they ever did, like, some maybe, I don't even know if there's a DVD of this. I need to see but I like just like a documentary because the, the stuff they were talking about with the sound at the end of the movie and the different imagery and stuff that was like, you know, that was really interesting. And I wanted more of that, actually. And when the dark shadows and like the demons were in the forest, I thought these guys did their homework and they nailed this because when I think of occults, when I think of witchcraft, when I think of satanic rituals this is how it's supposed to feel like this is what it's supposed to look like in a movie like just like dark real. yes real dark and it's out of your control and no one's coming to save you right yeah there was a lot of good, uh, a lot of good shots um i especially liked when they were first going to dig the whole the whole setup where i mean it was all that you know Basically, it was a star, but it, it might as well have been a pentagram. And they and what did they have? They had uh, Jesus Christ on one corner and, and Buddha on another, and then yes. like all these different. And then they had, right? and then they had the Jewish religion, and then they had, I believe, did we already say Buddha or Hindu? 
Yeah, the Buddha. Uh, Islamic. Those are the three I remember was God, their Christ, uh, Buddha, and the menorah. What was a crescent moon? What is that one? I, I, I thought one was like Islamic Christianity, Judaism. And so I'll have I to. Go- that, that was the moon one. Yeah. There's actually a story about a guy who was digging. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. It's like a legend. It's like, you know, one of those tall tales, like an urban legend. But he was digging and he was he dug so far in the ground that he could hear the screams of hell. Wow. And it freaked him out so bad that he started to bury the hole. And so when I was watching this, I got to thinking, is this kind of what that's based off of? Right. I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. I'm sure that's part of it. He, he listened to the ground, like when they were just barely digging the hole, like he was listening. And she's like, what do you expect to hear? And he's like, I'm supposed to hear trumpets. And that's funny that you just say that because, you know, if you go on YouTube, you see people in the forest and they're hearing these random horns in the sky, you know, all that stuff that's out there. Have you seen that? Yes, I have actually. And so and they don't know where it comes from. Yeah, they don't know where it's come. Where, yeah, exactly where it comes from or if that's even real. It'll be like some sort of hum, right? Yeah. I have heard about that. And these, it's always like in the woods and these guys will go out there with like shy. It's like in the middle of the night. And they can't, no matter how far they walk, they can't, like, get to it. Right, exactly. And it's coming from the sky somewhere. That's wild. Well, there and there were, and that, and that was a the thing. They had that in the movie. Like, they, you heard that horn, and she looked at because that's when everything went south. And she saw that, and she's just like, hey, like, we got to go. Like, we're going to pack our stuff. And that, that was another um, kind of a cool aspect of the movie for me was just their relationship, the brother and sister, just because... You know, like she, she felt bad and she, she uh, concocted this whole thing like to make him feel better. And so like you, you, they just had like this really good relationship. I would question some of her child watching skills. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but other yeah. than that, like. You know, what's so funny about all that is when they thought that they were getting away when they packed their stuff and everything. And it was full circle. That was like, it reminded me of Demon Wind. Right, Demon Wind. And Demon Wynn, it's these friends, they go out to this cabin, this property that this one of the people inherited. And so long story short, it's like a place of like demon practice and they get scared and they think that they're leaving, they're leaving on foot. And then the, this wind comes and takes them all the way back to the beginning after they were walking like forever. Oh, wow. It's a one of those good old films from the 80s. I remember the... Uh the box art, but I do not think I've seen that movie. Well, watch it. It's, it's, okay. it's a good watch. It's, it's kind of fun. You know, it's like a 1980 horror classic. Oh yeah. I'm sure it's like all over the place on there. Like YouTube or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to check that one out. I'll check that one out. Demon Wind. And so when the guys that were out there, you know, like smoking people, um, basically, yeah, I, I guess they were supposed to be like, like, cannibal are they like can- yeah, okay so right. yeah so i was like i wasn't and then you know the, the guy was doing his thing to that deer on the ground i was like whoa but there was this movie that came out in 2010 it was called pig i believe that they destroyed that movie after releasing it again in 2017 by the uh, whole south by southwest movie film festival and seeing those guys kind of reminded me of pig. 
why didn't they destroy that movie? Uh, a lot of people thought it was trash and just wasn't watchable. And, you know, all these critics coming out. But sometimes some of the best movies are the shocking ones that do make people feel uncomfortable. So I just, I just wish you can't that. Do that movie anymore? Or? No. Uh-uh. Supposedly they destroyed wow. it. Wow. But how cool would it be to host an underground horror film festival of all the um, submissions that were rejected because they were too violent or just too, too much for the crowd to handle. That would be amazing. Wouldn't that be cool? Yes. You know, that would be amazing because I'd like, because not all of us get offended. No. And some of us, um, at the end of this movie, I was like, man, if a Christopher, they they would lose their stuff, man. I know. I know. I know. It, it was just at the end, as she's holding the gun and he's just mm-hmm. walking and walking, they just kind of just end it. They, they leave it open for interpretation for you. And I thought that was a clever way to end the movie because it was like, it kind of makes you think what's exactly going to happen. So, yeah. All right. So here's my theory, right? So I feel like when he saved the dog from the, um, from the bear trap, that that dog was like the reincarnation of Maxine. And like the dog, like the dog went away. Like, and I felt like he felt like, Oh, that, that was Maxine because that's when they hit like the end and he's just smiling. Now, after that though, I think, okay, all that stuff happened to her, you know, so she's hiding the thing. She doesn't know if this thing's a demon. She can't see outside. I don't think, I don't know that she shot him, but I think that, I think that kid was coming back for her. Like she was going to replace Maxine in hell. Like that was, that's, that's what I felt happened. Nice interpretation. I just, I don't know. I can totally see that. But then again, I was thinking, was it where he found peace, but yet you're not going to take away from the devil without him getting something in return. Right. And throughout the movie, you know, as they got deeper and that's why I like too about it. Um, you know, they, each little chapter was like the first ring of hell. And the, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and so who's to say at what point were they digging that back that they just, you know, crossed over into hell? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, Do you remember what, what layer they stopped at? Because supposedly there's supposed to be nine layers of hell where they get the number nine. I don't know. I want to know. I think it was five. Yeah, it was five. And so, I have to look up what what level or what layer of five is supposed to actually be in this whole like nine, you know, nine levels of hell. Because I think at the very end, yeah, I think I think the ninth layer is people who do fraud. Really? Yeah. They have like like this, like this. I don't know. It's some kind of philosophy thing. You'll have to look that up now. (laughs) No, no. Like like Dante's Inferno type stuff or. Yeah, kind of like, um, I think like the first layer, the first level of hell, I, I believe it's for people who are like pagans and I forget how it goes. It's like pagans and then it's like, I know there's there's a level for people who uh, indulge and there's people who, there's a level for people who kill, adulterous and all that good stuff. And do they get progressively worse or do they? Yeah, and, the, and then, you're, then you're in hell. Then you're in hell. Got you. And you had mentioned about the guy uh, digging to hell. And that was like when stuff went south, she did like she did. She started burning the the books she made and then she started trying to shovel the the dirt back in the hole. Yeah, it's like it's a little too late now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's a little too late now. And then those, those crazy guys out in the field, like if you watch the movie again, you'll see where there's like this at the beginning where they're setting up camp, there's like this human that looks like they're burnt to death or dead. Yeah. And so when she gives them the stick, Oh, real quick, hold your thought. What about that weird looking squirrel? Yes. I, it, it kind of reminded me of like the animation from like Gumby and those shows like around like Rudolph and stuff like that. So when I saw that, when she said it's a demon disguising itself, I thought, yeah, well, she's probably right. Cause you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, legends about, you know, like demons disguising themselves as owls and stuff like that. Yeah. That, that was pretty crazy. And that was the, the stick. But yeah, you were saying, I apologize. No, no, no. And, you know, but, I love how we're just all over the place about this movie because we love it. And we're just like, oh, what about this? What about that? But I think one of my favorite parts was when his mother's like driving and then she disappears. I know. And that was the one thing that like I did wonder, like not, I didn't dwell on it, but I was like, well, what happened to the mom? You know, like that she led them just go into the way and how did they get there? And you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it just like kind of, it didn't give you any backstory. We just got this introduction of this dog who was put down. Then boom, we're in the story. Yes. But I, I kind of like that. I do like that. And I do like that they did at least mention why the dog was bad. Yes. Did you uh, get a chance to watch that YouTube video? Yes. That was pretty crazy. It's about like a minute long, but those two directors, you know, the, the guys who wrote this uh, movie and directed this movie, they were influenced by that because apparently they saw that in film school. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah, that is cool. How did you find that out? Oh, you know, I kind of look up things and and read about things. And so I wanted to know where they got their influence for this film. Because right. I was just like, whoa, this is like I said, I was just fascinated with how many different films came to mind watching it. And uh, so when I kept researching, I came across this old interview where they said that they were kind of influenced by that short film. That's pretty awesome. You are pretty handy to have around this one. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So you're going to have to do your homework and look up the uh, 2010 movie pig. Yes, I am actually. That intrigues me. Cause there's gotta be a way to see it. There's just gotta be. I know. And if you do let me know, cause the only, like I said, that's kind of what reminded me about this film because supposedly, you know, it was destroyed and only certain people could say that they have seen it. Well, actually that's kind of what happened with pig. Let me ask you about that. So obviously, you know, you've heard of these things where, where there is, there is a movie and I, I have, re- and I don't know if, but I have looked into stuff like that. And apparently there was a movie that, that was real that did this to people. Do you do you know anything about that? or No. Do you, do you not know the, what the name is? No, I'm sorry. I can look it up. <laughs> no, uh-uh. I, I don't. No, this is uh, uh, supposedly like there really is a movie that it was destroyed. And somebody, it was like a French movie. Really? Yes. And this was... Uh, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Buzzer View Manor.